0: where am I not showing up emotionally available in my life today? Because that's going to reveal to me some areas where I can do some of my own inner healing Mm -hmm. and where I can more deeply understand what it means and feels like to be emotionally available to not only myself, but to other people. But we have to practice on ourselves first.
1: Welcome to Openly Spoken, the podcast to help you show up, speak out, and be seen. I'm your host, Celia Antonio, women's empowerment mentor, mindfulness expert, and quantum self-love coach. Every week, you'll hear real and unfiltered stories from me and my guests covering topics around spirituality, self-expression, womanhood, healing, love, relationships, and more. My intention with this podcast is to help sensitive, spiritual, ambitious women fully step into their potential so that you can live a life you love with every cell and every fiber of your being. And I get that it's not easy to fit into a box, so I bring in a variety of topics to feed your multifaceted self. You can find me over on Instagram at self babe and info on where to find my guests are always going to be in the show notes below. I am so grateful that you're here, and I invite you to now set an intention, sit back, relax, and receive what is coming through to you on your headphones right now. Take what resonates, leave out what doesn't, and give yourself time to reflect. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's dive in. Hello, welcome to Openly Spoken. My name is Celia and I am so grateful that you hit play today. Today we have a very special guest. We have Austin Armstrong joining us. Austin is a women's empowerment coach and she's an expert in self-love, dating and relationships. It's her mission to guide women in the process of awakening to their inner power, reconnecting with their authenticity, reconnecting with their divine femininity, Embodying genuine self love and attracting and co creating the relationships of their dreams. And she shared with me in our initial connection call that the biggest lessons and the biggest like life lessons that she's had have come through romantic relationships. And I can totally resonate with that. And she shared with me that through repeated trauma and like seeing these patterns, that she was able to be like, okay. Something here needs to shift. So you're going to hear all about that. We're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about how inner child healing can help us with dating and help us stop repeating old patterns. We're going to be talking about shifting out of victim mode. We're going to talk about showing up in your truth in relationships. If this episode resonates with you, go ahead and visit the little show notes section so that you can find Austin, give her a follow and find out more about her work. Also, this episode is kind of like starting in the middle of us having a conversation. We were on Zoom and we started chatting and we were like, we should start recording. (laughs) So I feel like I need to give a little bit of context. So in the beginning, you're going to hear us talking about, well, okay, I'll just give you the context and then we'll go (laughs) into the episode. So there is a coach that both Austin and I follow and love to learn from her name is Ashay Sandara and on the day of this call where we sat down and we recorded this episode Ashay's uh one of her reels where she is doing a sensual embodiment practice sharing one of her programs that is all about connecting with your pleasure she um Someone did, I don't know what that's called on Instagram where someone can like stitch your your reel. I don't know if it's called stitch or if that's what it's called on TikTok. I don't know. This person uh, basically made fun of what Ache was doing, saying that it was immoral, that she was using sex to sell and all that stuff. Um, but Austin and I are familiar with Ache's programs. So we know that it would be, unethical for her not to share that that side of her because that's what's in her programs anyways we were both austin and i were both on this call and we were both feeling a little like fear fear coming up around expressing ourselves and around trolls being out there and like yes of course there's always going to be someone out there who doesn't vibe with you Um, But like seeing it happen to someone who we both look up to, it kind of had us a little shaken a little bit. We're like, oh, gosh, like, (laughs) Um, but Ashay handled it really well. And yeah, so that's just the context of the situation we're talking about when the episode starts what came up was also very like I didn't want to delete it I originally thought like "Eh, I'll do some editing magic so that it can flow better like a quote real podcast whatever that means um but yeah here here is that here is the episode just how it happened So I feel like sexuality is such a big part of who we are mm-hmm. and um, like, it's so human, but it's stolen from us and then mm-hmm. like sold back to us piecemeal. And mm-hmm. we see that in advertising all the time. That's why like, I've, like so many marketing tactics. Like they use like sexuality to sell to us. Not that that's bad. I don't think that that's bad at all, Mm -hmm. but like with the I feel like she is selling us back. What was stolen from us.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: You know, and like seeing that person posting it, I'm like, well, she obviously has never been in her container. Otherwise she wouldn't post it because like, she's not using sex to sell. And like it, it would be unethical for her not to show the sexuality because that's part of her containers.
0: Yeah. You I know t- what I mean? <laughs> I totally agree with that. And I think there's a part of us that's so conditioned to look at that type of quote unquote marketing. And mm-hmm. like from the, there's like a, a part of feminism that's sold to us to just reject it all And yeah. And I think that that could potentially be where that person's coming from. I don't know. Like I, but yeah, uh, there's moments where I'm like, are there seeds of truth in here? And I think that, yes, there's a little bit of truth in everything. And also like the seeds of truth that I'm feeling are the parts of me that still don't feel liberated in my sexuality. Mm. I want to criticize others that are liberated in theirs because, My opinion is that we only, and I I see this in myself, you know, and, and this is where I firmly believe this is like, we only judge where we're not yet free. So like, if I am judging someone for showing up in a specific way, it's because I don't feel free to embody that part of myself yet not saying that we're all identical and that our sexual expression is identical, but like there's a piece of that or that there's a piece of like the vulnerability of being seen in that sexual expression, which Mm -hmm. is so innocent, especially in Ashay's work. And that's what I love. She like really is able to pull in the innocence that within our sexuality, right? Like even when we're little kids, like if a little kid was posting a video like that, no one would criticize it because it's like they don't know better, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just their freedom of expression. And then it's like, we come into adulthood and, you know, one of the reasons why I've like chosen to enroll in any of a courses is because she embodies that liberation that I am trying to reclaim.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an interesting topic and I don't want to like, like hate on anyone for sharing their opinions because, you know, I think it's important to, to, to share and to express. And, yeah. but it's also like, God, like it, you know, it makes a part of me want to curl back in my shell and hide because exactly.
1: I'm, yeah. That's how I was feeling about it.
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh, does my expression harm people? Does my mm-hmm. embodiment of my sexuality hurt other people? Is that really true? And like, that's the story that comes up around it now. But like, you know, when I was younger, it was like the story around my sexuality and my sexual expression was like, no, it's bad. You do not do this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was like shame coming from the outside around like, you know, the, the slut shaming or the, like, if a story that I got from my mom growing up a lot was like, if you, if you are sexual with boys, they'll never date you. They'll never never take mm-hmm. you seriously and all of that. And so I erred on the side of like, not of being like more prude and like, not really exploring that side of myself. And then I had a phase of like sexual liberation in my twenties that wasn't executed perfectly by any means, but it was like, you know, me exploring and like, isn't that mm-hmm. what we're to do anyway in a human body and experience. Um, and yeah, I was like, Oh, like actually discovering what parts of me did feel true in my sexuality and what, what felt good for me and what I enjoyed and what I liked. And I was like, that was a coming home to self in a specific mm. type of way, but I mm-hmm. kept it really private. You know, it was like private for me, because mm-hmm. if I were to express sexually for, you know, in front of people or to move my bo- sensually more than anything, you know, like then people were like, oh, Whoa, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. And, That's the piece that I'm trying to like work with right now is like, how can I create so much safety in my body that my sensuality being expressed, even if it triggers other people, doesn't pull me back into my shell.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going through like similar thing. I love how we're like already diving in. (laughs) So probably like do some editing magic. (laughs) So thank Mm -hmm. you for being here. I I really appreciate your time. And for the people listening, let's start by giving first a little like intro about you and who you are, what you do here and here in this world.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I'm happy to. So yeah, I'm Austin Armstrong and I am a self-love and relationship coach. Um, My journey has been interesting. It's I always like to joke and say that like relationship is my biggest teacher. I feel like I'm like 80 years old in relationship but like you know in a 30-year-old body. Um and so much of me learning how to love myself was really motivated by relationships that were quote unquote failed, failed relationships. Mm. Um relationships that ended in traumatic breakups and infidelity and, you know, lots of trauma bonding in my twenties and romantic partnership. And so, uh, that really inspired and invoked, um, me to go on a deep journey of healing and through that journey of healing and self-discovery and coming home to my truth and my authenticity, I decided that I wanted to take that feeling of freedom and self-love and liberation and repackage it and share it with whoever it might serve and help. Um, And yeah, I think there's a lot of us women who tend to learn through romantic partnership and relationship. And um, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: a lot of us are inspired by love. We want Mm -hmm. to have really deeply fulfilling romantic relationships and, We're also kind of met with this societal, like very real situation that's happening in our world of, you know, technology and instant gratification where like a lot of women that I've spoken to and coached uh, feel really discouraged in dating. Like the thing that they actually want and desire in romantic partnership isn't available or isn't real or doesn't exist here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like it's my purpose and mission to help people, you know, first and foremost, understand that that is available to them if they want it.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: How to like go about attracting that and co-creating that whether they're in relationship now or they're single and they're looking for they're, they're hoping and looking and yearning to be in that deeply fulfilling relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. we do all want that. Like love is love is why we're here.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. we're literally like a physical representation of love like if that love magnetism didn't exist our parents wouldn't have come together Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't be here and I love what you said you said something that made me think about how like we can think that it's impossible that what we want even exists out there
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I definitely feel like that with my husband now like He is someone who like when we first started dating, I was like, I didn't even know men like this exist. (laughs) Mm. And that's such a like common thing that I've heard from friends or even from other guests in in this podcast when we end up talking about relationships. Like we think that we think that men or women or non-binary people are a certain way because of how it's like, presented to us in the media or like our limiting beliefs or even our relationship with our parents Mm -hmm. or like our own wounding from childhood. Like we think that love and relationship is a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then we like go out to like get that idea, even if it's like not aligned with what we actually want. It's very fascinating. Yeah. It's very fascinating.
0: There's so much conditioning and programming around what love is supposed to look like. And a lot of that we get from such early ages, you know, even in Disney movies, they're, Mm. you know, like constantly, uh, showing us different, uh, examples of what it's, of what love is supposed to look like and, um, the self-sacrificing that's involved in love and, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because so much of that is, imprinted on us before, like you said, we can even decide what is it that actually feels true? What is it that I actually want to experience and love? Mm -hmm.
1: When would, how was your first
0: relationship? Like, when was,
1: when was that?
0: (laughs) So I'm like one of those serial monogamists. I had like a single phase in my twenties, but, um, my first like real boyfriend, if you will, Was we started dating in eighth grade and we broke up in 11th grade and yeah, (laughs) it's interesting because I've kind of worked backwards in my healing journey where I just like, when I started my healing journey, especially around like relationship wounding, I started Mm -hmm. with like the freshest breakup that I was in and kind of moved my way backwards. Mm -hmm. And it's this relationship that's been showing up for me in my recent healing work, Mm -hmm. um, and looking at like deeper layers of patterning that were created in my first relationship that sometimes will resurface in my current relationship when my trauma is triggered. Um, and yeah, you know, it was, it was like not a healthy relationship, um, at all at like a really young age, which was interesting. We, um, uh, yeah. There, I went to a private Catholic school that like started out as like an all boys school. Uh, I grew up in the South and so it was a uh, co-ed school by the time I was there, but like definitely really rooted in like uh, favoritism of men and mm. like women were to be seen and not heard kind of feeling. That was the, mm-hmm. that was what I internalized from that experience. And so, um, I felt like there was even a like layers of abuse in that relationship of emotional abuse. There would be times and granted, we were in high school and didn't know what we were doing. Right. But, uh, it was all innocent, but, um, you know, he would tell me that he wanted to break up and would go take another girl on a date. And then if I were to go on a date with another guy, then he would like basically humiliate me. There was an instance he humiliated me around going on a date with another guy. And so I'm like, whoa, like I really was tolerating some stuff that was not healthy at like a really young age. And that was just what to me felt normal was like this mm-hmm. drama that mm-hmm. got played out all throughout this relationship that was in high school. And I joke with my mom, because my mom and I have a, my parents and I have a great relationship, but I'm like, mom, like, didn't like, did you ever try to tell me anything? And, you know, I'm sure if she did. I wouldn't have listened, but yeah. <laughs> was there any part of you that was like, this is not normal for like a ninth grade, 10th grade relationship. <laughs> but, um, She was like, yeah, you know, I just, I wanted you to learn on your own. And, and so I did, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, my first relationship was really, really like not healthy at all. And, and that kind of set the tone for my future relationships. And I think that some of the trauma that was, you know, created inside. And I'm not innocent. I'm sure I played upon many of aspects of that, but, um, that was like carried on into my next relationship. Mm. And a part of me feels like I might've even created trauma for that next person from mm. the patterns that were picked up in the, in the, in the first relationship. And so it just built upon the next where I just kind of stayed in these unhealthy dynamics because, I think for me, there was an association of like, love is dramatic. And that is what I know love as.
1: That that brings to mind like soap operas. <laughs> yes. When I think of soap operas, I always like imagine them being in Spanish, even though I remember there was a soap opera called Passions, maybe in the 90s that I would like watch at a friend's house, even though I wasn't allowed. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like normalized, even, even in, um, even in friendships, like it's normalized, Mm -hmm. I think, especially for girls, like look at, you can see things, movies, like mean girls and stuff where they're literally like sabotaging their own friends.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is. It's normalized. And, um, I think there's a part of it too, like the TV and the screen stuff that we're doing, that's like all imprinting our subconscious mind. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. (laughs) Yeah. We're in theta brainwave when we're watching, you know, TV Mm -hmm. and so that's literally penetrating into the subconscious mind. And so it's almost like we can't even really help it from, even if our conscious mind is on board with like, I want to have healthy relationships. I want to have healthy friendships. Sometimes the subconscious is like, it's, it's mainly in the driver's seat because we're operating Mm -hmm. from that space 95% of the time. And yeah. yeah, and so, you know, it's uh it's not our fault, but it's our responsibility if we want to make changes and mm-hmm. have different experiences.
1: So, when do you think was that when was that pivotal moment for you where you started to shift your relationships and like you said take responsibility and make changes?
0: Mm, yeah, so I had like two layers of this. (laughs) I think the first time that I fully took like total responsibility and decided that I wanted to create massive change was my last breakup, which was when I was 28. It's almost like four years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just had this moment where I'd had two back-to-back partnerships where both had ended due to infidelity. Okay. I was like, okay, so this is interesting. Like the same kind of pattern just repeated itself twice. And I'm over here being like, why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> um, and then I just kind of, I, I remember the moment I was with a, a close friend and like a pivotal um, influence in my, in my healing journey. And she was like, this is not happening to you. It's happening for you.
2: Hmm. Um,
0: and those words really like they triggered me i was like like what what do you mean like it's so easy in infidelity to to just be like i'm the victim of the circumstance and yeah yes, that's mm-hmm. very true right like i'm not responsible for the actions of those previous partners they're fully responsible for the actions that they took and technically i was in the victim seat of betrayal
2: mm-hmm. but
0: if there's a pattern there and there's something that i can do to shift or change that so that when i'm calling in my next relationship it's not rooted in wounding or trauma bonding or the the root source of why that person was unfaithful in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get to have some say around it. And that to me feels much better than having to sit in the seat of victim and just being like, woe is me. Why does this keep happening to me? And then a lot of times what happens when we sit in that seat of victim and we're wondering why the same situation is repeating itself, we can start to really feed into that narrative of like, you know, men suck. Men are emotionally available. Men cheat. This is what men do. And to me, that's like, it's so discouraging and Mm. it doesn't really feel true or good for me to be in that particular energy of, of not trusting men of judging all men and placing, you know, a a stereotype blanket statement Mm -hmm. while there's truth to those statements, because those situations exist and they're real and it's happened to me. There's also men out there who don't want to cheat and who want to be a devoted and loyal partner.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's the the type of man, man that I want to co-create with. And that's the type of man that I want to start calling in. Um, and that was kind of my, my mind frame when I went through all of this was like, okay, if I, if I'm not the victim, if there is, that means that I can do something about it. That means mm-hmm. that there's a layer of Me being able to take responsibility for some part of this, at least part of the pattern that's been showing up, allows that means that I have a say in what my future gets to look like versus staying stuck in the same old pattern because I'm refusing to take any responsibility for the patterns that are showing up in my romantic partnerships.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And what did that look like for you? Because I'm trying to kind of like put myself in the shoes of like someone who's listening. Mm -hmm. Who maybe isn't a pattern and when they take responsibility, like something that can come up is like blaming yourself or like having guilt or like, I'm going to call it like needing to forgive yourself because you're putting yourself, you put yourself in that situation, Mm -hmm. whether you were conscious of it or not. Mm -hmm.
0: So what did that, what did working through that look like for you? Yeah. Uh, Great question. So I think there's like a fine balance in this particular area of taking responsibility because something I see a lot when working with women is we tend to take more responsibility than what's ours or we tend to like not want to take any at all. Mm. So it's like this fine balance, right? Where we're willing, like I was saying before, willing to take responsibility for the pattern of the man that I was attracting, which at that time, really at the root of why the infidelity was happening. The root of like the demise of the relationship was the fact that, you know, these men weren't emotionally available and maybe they are now, but at the time that we were in partnership, they were not showing up as emotionally available. So having a conversation around, you know, what was really happening inside the dynamic of our relationship was a big thing that came up in my, my last previous partnership was, you know, I was trying to have the, the difficult conversations around like, Hey, like here's some areas where I'm feeling like I'm not being fully met. This -hmm. is what doesn't feel good for me anymore. What can we do about it? And he wasn't meeting me with the willingness to have that conversation. It was shove it under the rug. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. that I wasn't communicating from a fully conscious place either at that point in my life, but I was trying, Mm -hmm. um, And so I was able to see really clearly like, okay, it takes an emotionally available person to be able to have that type of conversation. Yeah. And where am I not showing up emotionally available in my life today? Because that's going to reveal to me some areas where I can do some of my own inner healing Mm -hmm. and where I can more deeply understand what it means and feels like to be emotionally available to not only myself, but to other people. And then when I'm in dating, when I'm, when I'm dating and I'm in partnership, I can start to see and and call out those patterns of like emotional unavailability or emotional availability, Mm -hmm. but we have to practice on ourselves first. And so I think being willing to look at that pattern and be like, okay, there's definitely a pattern of emotional unavailability. Mm -hmm. means that there was probably parts of myself that either wasn't being emotionally available to myself or to my partner. And I was able to find both of those uh, in myself and, and the ways that I was showing up to my partner. And then once I was able to identify those, I was like, okay, where's that actually coming from though? Like what's the root Mm -hmm. of that emotional unavailability? And what I discovered through doing inner child work is like, Oh, I learned that from dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, um, my dad is an amazing father and we have a really beautiful relationship now, but at the time when I was younger, I was always kind of like a highly sensitive kid and I would get my feelings hurt easily a lot. That was like the feedback that I received from adults was like, Oh, you just get your feelings hurt so easily. You're so sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I would try to talk to my dad about like, Hey, this is what happened at school. Or I just remember coming to him with like wanting what I can see clearly now is just like a child wanting to be witnessed and validated and like held Mm. and that everything's going to be okay. I would come to him with my feelings or emotional experience and it would overwhelm him. He would just be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. go talk to your mom about this. Like this is mom's thing, not mine. And Mm -hmm. so as a child, we internalize those things. We internalize that behavior, the messaging, that behavior and creates like an imprint in us around the messaging of what it means to show up in your vulnerability and share your emotional experience. You know, for me with my dad, who's the symbol of the masculine me. So what I internalized from that was when I share my feelings and emotions with dad, he can't handle it. It's not, Mm -hmm. not safe for me to share with him how I'm actually feeling. I Mm -hmm. get rejected or told to go elsewhere. And so I started to get really real with myself about how is that showing up in romantic partnerships? And I wasn't being fully vulnerable or fully transparent about my emotional experience with my partners, you know, in the past, because I didn't feel safe from a subconscious place. Mm-hmm. I felt so unsafe sharing that with them. And I thought that I would be rejected or told to go away or, you know, another story is that it would be too much. I would be too much. And then they would want to break up with me because they couldn't handle how much emotional energy I actually truly do have inside of me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess it's a very long winded <laughs> explanation <laughs> of how to take responsibility for certain aspects. Mm-hmm.
1: And it sounds like the journey is, is definitely about like looking at what has stopped us from showing up in our truth and then like learning, relearning what that truth even is, Mm -hmm. and then like learning that it's safe to show up in that truth again, Mm
0: -hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think that last piece is sometimes the hardest piece for a lot of us Mm -hmm. is oh, it's actually safe for me to do this. And how do I create that feeling of safety within my own being? Because mm-hmm. that's really what I've had to learn how to do through inner child work and reparenting is like, there's still a little girl in me that's like, absolutely not. You will die if yeah. you emotional experience <laughs> with this yeah. person. Especially because like, there's so many humans out
1: there and like, not everyone is going to be our cup of tea you know, whether it's a client, whether it's someone on Instagram, whether Mm -hmm. it's a relationship. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that could even be a parent. Like if someone listening, who's working on healing their relationship with their parent, maybe their parent isn't emotionally ready for that. And, um, you can still, you can still heal your, I think the magic lies in like healing your own reaction to that parent. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean like what you think about them and how you react to like being in their presence or how you react to like when they call you and stuff like that because yeah. the inner world is the most important yeah the most important.
0: yeah, absolutely I resonate with that so much and yeah even just playing on the example that I just gave around my dad when I like realized this like root of my emotional inavailability, I was had so many emotions come up mm-hmm. and, you know, I had to like actually take space from him for a little while where mm-hmm. I was living on the West coast at the time. My family is still in Atlanta and it was healthy. Like I like needed that space to like witness and feel all of that repressed emotion that mm-hmm. was there from the little girl version of me that felt rejected because of my emotional experience. And so, yeah, Allowing ourselves to like feel what's there and validating that little girl version of me that never felt valid in her emotional experience, letting myself to f- feel what truly was there and then healing, like you said, the reaction so that yeah, when I started to interact with him, you know, th- there was a, a level of forgiveness that had to occur mm-hmm. uh, within me. And it wasn't even something that I had to share with him. Like mm-hmm. I was able to. Yeah move that within myself. And I think I even remember you posted like forgiveness is like freeing yourself and that resume. Yeah,
1: it really is. Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And, and, and that was me freeing myself. And then my relationship to him changed without me even having to bring it to him, like Mm. how you were saying the inner world really Mm. is the place where so much of that healing and liberation can take place. And we're fortunate because you know, I have been able to share with him, like from a healed place, some of the things that I was going through in relation to our relationship childhood. Mm-hmm. and childhood, we've actually been able to do some healing work together, but like,
1: Oh, that's cute.
0: <laughs> but so much of it, like, you know, for anyone who's listening that like feels like they don't have that available with their parents, like 98% of that work took place within me. hmm like there's yeah. so much that we can do in our inner world to really shift that relationship and, and free ourselves.
1: It makes so much sense too, that like when we show up, when we do the work ourselves, like we're showing up with a different energy. So mm-hmm. like, of course that is going to shift the dynamic because I feel like when something that can kind of like trip up the dynamic with our parents, when there's trauma, when we haven't forgiven them and they see that. They see like, they see like that they've hurt us because like when you, when you don't forgive a parent, you're, you're kind of like, maybe you're, maybe you're doing it in conversation or maybe it's more subtle. Like it comes off in how you just like talk to them and maybe brush them off. You're kind of showing them like you hurt me. And then that makes them feel guilty. So then they have to be in like defensive mode. So it like, it, it, the energy really does shift when you, um, when you do the work within yourself and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about now about like allowing yourself to feel giving yourself space kind of brings me to something. I like booked marked that you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. about how you went to this. uh, You went to, I think you said it was a private Catholic school.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That was all boy. It was all boys. And then like the girls, it was kind of like they, they came second and, I'm remembering how like in our DMs, we've talked about how like a a big part of your journey has been like feeling safe in uh, expressing your feminine and like feeling safe to like embody the feminine side of you. And it it sounds like a lot of the healing work of like you even like holding space for what you were feeling falls under that umbrella.
0: Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, so true. I mean, you know, if our feminine energy is our emotional, you know, expression and creative expression, yeah. I mean, that was not I would I didn't really grow up in an environment that like nurtured, and I think a lot of us didn't, you know, grow up in an environment yeah. that nurtured emotional expression, authentic self-expression, maybe even creative expression. Um, yeah, everything. Growing up, you know, where I went to school, it was like, you know, it served me in so many ways. I got such a great education. Um, I'm really privileged and, and, you know, to even have been able to go to that school. And also there wasn't, um, there wasn't a lot of safety around, mm-hmm. you know, the feminine expression and emotional expression. And so, yeah, healing that has been probably one of the biggest life-changing things for me. Um, because even, you know, as a child, when I like remember who I was when I was, you know, a little girl and like, how did I even enjoy spending my time? Like that was something I had to reconnect with, to even figure out who the fuck am I? Right. (laughs) When we go on this journey and I was like, okay, how did I spend my time as a child? And I was always, creating in different ways, right? Like I would make, I would, uh, me and my best girlfriends that like lived on the same cul-de-sac as me, we would choreograph dances and do performances. And like, we would play outside. We'd be in nature. We'd be making things with flowers and trees. And, you know, we would be singing and dancing and I would spend hours even in my room in middle school, making collages, like listening to different music, creating playlists, like so much creative expression. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that is like really true to my core, because that's what I did when I had, you know, no responsibilities and just time Mm -hmm. to play.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But somewhere along the way, I kind of started to pick up on from, I think, multiple different uh, factors uh, that like, that wasn't going to get me anywhere. That like Mm -hmm. my feminine or creative expression wasn't going to get me anywhere and that i I also needed to be like tougher and harder and really be able to like, you know, assert myself in a certain way too. Mm -hmm. um, so many different messages through, I think, societal programming. And, you know, also in addition to that, like what I learned at school and, you know, that grades were important and you, you know, need to get this type of score on your SAT so that you can get into this type of college so that you can get the job and the career and all the things, all the check, the -hmm. the checklist of things that make us quote unquote successful. And so there was that. And then there's the piece of relationship where, you know, we're just also reinforcing the societal programming and the environmental programming of, you know, this is what gets you success, the masculine expression. And so then this piece of myself, I was like, okay, that's not going to get me anywhere. So I just kind of disregarded it. And then also, when I would express myself in my feminine energy and feminine ways, I still had that fear around rejection from childhood. And then I would also experience it with partners too. If I did show that mm. part of myself, where they would, you know, project shame on that part of myself or reject that part of myself. And then I just started to take that feminine energy and just cast it away in my shadow. Like it's this thing that I hide from the world. And then mm. I start to just deny about myself and pretend like it's not there because if I want to get anywhere, or if I want to be safe or liked or lovable or successful, that's not, those are the things that are actually weaknesses and that are going to hold me back.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And when did you start to connect with feminine work? Was it, what I mean to ask is like, when did you start to intentionally connect with feminine work? Cause I feel like there's a point where even in my journey where like you you're connecting with feminine work, but you don't know that it's that. And then like you learn about it and then you like invest in a course or like buy women who run with the wolves or mm-hmm. like read some sort of book. And then you're like, Oh, okay. I've been doing this, but then
0: you just like dive deeper into it.
1: So yeah, when was it that you, that you did that?
0: That's such a good question because you're so right. Like I was dipping my toes in it without even knowing Um, and I do have one pivotal moment where I remember feeling like my feminine was like kind of furious at me for, (laughs) I like just the lack of expression and and safe space that it had. I was in a, a Reiki session, um, with a close friend of mine, who's also an incredible healer. And it was right after that breakup that I was, um, that I most recently had when I was 28 and we finished the session and I remember feeling like a lot of energy pulsating and like a lot of pain on the left side of my body. Mm -hmm. And I kind of was in and out of consciousness during the session. And afterwards she was like, yeah, like your left hip was like literally pulsating on the table. And she was like, I just feel like I need to share with you that the left side represents your feminine energy. And it feels to me, her interpretation of it was like, There's so much restraint around your feminine and it really needs to be expressed and it really needs to move. And so I think that was when that first kind of came into my radar of like, okay, there's a part of me that I've been like, not expressing that's been totally repressed and it has to do with my feminine energy. And so it was like kind of there in my consciousness, but I don't think I was taking like immediate action on it. I was just, I was holding it in my awareness. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of like, when I actually just, honestly, I think it was probably around this time last year when I was going through, I was launching my first group program in my business. And when I started my business, I just put on my like achiever hat, (laughs) massive energy, like assert, assert, burn yourself out, do anything and everything it takes to get the job done. And that was what I knew I came from corporate sales and, you know, I, uh, was always in a very high paced, um, fast paced environment that worshiped and glorified achievement. And once you've achieved, that's not enough achieve more. Um, and so that was just kind of how I knew how to show up in the workforce. And I totally burnt myself out on my first group launch, uh, (laughs) where I actually got sick.
1: Oh my gosh
0: okay, well, this doesn't feel good. And I know if I want to burn myself out, I can go back to an old job and do that with a steady income instead of, you know, putting my nervous system into overdrive around the thing that I actually love and feel passionate about. And so it was around that time last year, like April or May of last year, where I was like, I'm done doing business in the masculine way. And I'm really ready to start Mm -hmm. shifting into a more feminine energy. And so I started creating a little bit more safety for myself in doing business in a way that maybe doesn't look like the blueprint that a lot of us see. Mm -hmm. Um, And using, and I hired a coach at the time and she wasn't specific to healing like feminine energy dynamics, but she was really specific on like you get to run your business in a way that feels true and pleasurable for you. Um, and she really helped me understand like moving from inspired action instead of just action. Because if I don't, then something bad's going to happen or I'm going <sighs> to fail or I'm not going to be successful And helped me get back into more of like the receiving energy of like receiving inspiration and receiving creativity Mm. and then taking that and shifting back into the masculine and Mm. taking action from that place. So it's been a long road, but I Mm. think that was when I realized like that's where I need to place my attention and energy is on the feminine. And it's interesting because there's pieces of that, that I healed within relational dynamics But when I actually was like, no, this is the thing that I'm choosing to do was through my business. My business is actually the thing that really brought it to my attention.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I love that you brought up the, the relationship piece, because then my next question, I was wondering, like, how did, how did that coming up in your business then shift your relationships and how you showed up in relationship?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started to notice there. I still lacked trust.
2: Mm.
0: Biggest piece, um, for me and my feminine, because something that I've noticed about myself too, is when I was fully surrendered in my feminine and really in that open, juicy energy, um, inside romantic relationship, I was hurt.
2: Mm-hmm. I think a lot
0: of us women feel that way that like, you know we've been in partnership maybe once or twice before where we were like wow like I really was just so open and so surrendered and like it feels so good to be mm-hmm. in that to be in that energy um and especially when you have a masculine partner who's in embodied in a really healthy
2: mm-hmm. masculine
0: energy it creates that juicy polarity that I think a lot of us enjoy um But for me, you know, I, I got hurt so many times when I opened myself in that way, when I fully surrendered. And so I kind of started to feel like, you know, maybe I've closed off parts of myself because I was repeatedly hurt when I surrendered into that energy. And so, um, what I noticed is in my current relationship with my partner, um, Where was I not letting him lead because I didn't trust him? Where was I not Mm -hmm. opening fully because I didn't trust him, especially since a lot of my wounding is around infidelity and betrayal and partnership in the past. My healing is all in learning to trust again. And so learning to trust myself first and foremost, and creating that safety for myself to surrender and be in my feminine energy on my own. And, you know, that translates to my business as well, but in relationship noticing like once someone else's energy is in the space, like where am I not trusting him fully to lead and where am I not, Mm. where am I trying to come in and control or manipulate from like a wounded feminine energy um, when I don't trust him to Mm. lead or guide or um, to meet me where I want to be met How am I responding in those moments when the trust dissolves? And so I think through creating a deeper sense of self-trust in my business and the way that I show up to that, I was able to kind of apply it to my relationship too, and see like, where am I not trusting? Where does the trust start to kind of erode or dissolve? And that's my work is to lean into more trust there. Mm -hmm. And typically from that energy, he always responds from a place of, you know, Power, structure, container, leading, guiding, and then I. Not only am I understanding that I'm safe to be in my feminine on my own, but he's mirroring back to me. It's safe for you to surrender and relax here too. Oh,
1: uh, that's like what we talked about. Uh, I think the last time we chatted about using the feminine to like call out the masculine side of your partner. Mm. Like when you lead with the feminine side, that it it like has them step up to the plate as long as your partner is, you know, up for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's amazing. You know, sometimes it happens without like, sometimes it happens naturally, you know, and, and sometimes it's uh, a little bit more challenging because, you know, we're all healing. I think there's so much healing right now Mm -hmm. for people inside relationship, for people that, you know, just that are healing on individual levels. And so Yeah. There is so much power in coming from a really, you know, healed feminine energy Mm -hmm. and it can work its magic inside the container of the relationship and for your masculine partner too. And sometimes it doesn't work night, you know, every single time, like Mm -hmm. sometimes it requires a conversation, a conscious conversation and the Mm -hmm. willingness to hear each other and to honor each other's experience.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I love too how a relationship can really mirror business because business is like the ultimate relationship. Like you have a relationship with your work, with your business, with your clients, especially if you're working one-on-one with people. Like if you are like, for example, how you mentioned showing up in this space where like you don't fully trust them. And then you have to like control that can show up in, in one-on-one coaching of like wanting to hold your client's hand and like giving a lot. And then you're burned out because you're not trusting that they're getting the value from investing in, in you and that they are sovereign by themselves and they don't necessarily like need you, Mm -hmm. but they're like co-creating with you. Like it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a balance and you're working together and it's not like one person has to control the relationship over the other.
0: Yeah. That's such a powerful point. And yeah, the more that I have leaned into work, you know, my inner work that's coming up through my business, the more I see how powerfully it mirrors relationship and Mm. yeah, I totally resonate with the piece of one-on-one coaching and in having those moments where like your trust erodes in a certain situation. And then you have to be like, nope, coming back to my mm-hmm. sovereignty, which allows your client to come back to theirs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love this conversation. <laughs> I could like chat for you for- forever. Uh, I do have like a little round of like rapid fire questions I like to do towards yeah. the end. And then we'll dive into where people can find you and work with you. Perfect. Okay. So first question is what does self-love mean to you?
0: Mm. Self-love to me is really the willingness to be with it all, to not judge our internal experience so much and to be compassionate and really willing to be with everything that's there, all parts of ourselves without making them wrong or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And just embracing the whole and all of it. That's beautiful.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And now finish this phrase. The way to my heart is
0: mm, reflection. I love when anyone can reflect me back to me. I don't know if you're into human design at all, but I'm a projector and uh-huh. uh, projectors have a, a challenging heart, a challenging time seeing themselves clearly, but they see mm-hmm. others really clearly. Mm-hmm. And so anyone that will reflect something back to me, I'm like, Ooh, gosh, feels. So-
1: <laughs> I love that. I know mm-hmm. a little bit about human design. I know that I'm a generator
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. and that I thrive on variety, but that's like all I know. I haven't dove too much into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Human design is fun for me. It's been one of those things that's like created, a, like I felt really deeply seen by it. Mm. Um, and so I continue to explore it and I try not to identify with it too much. Cause I think like with anything, if we go really far in, sometimes we can like, we don't want to make it our identity, but there's some pieces where I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Like that really was yeah. true for me. And that feels good to, to be seen or feel seen in that way. hmm
1: uh, when do you feel most alive?
0: Mm. Ah, okay. I feel most alive when I'm in a tropical warm environment and I'm surrounded by palm trees and the <laughs> ocean and like white soft sand. And I also feel most alive when I'm using my voice, like when I'm speaking mm. or singing, even though I don't have the best voice, I love to sing and just express myself in that way.
1: That sounds delicious being at a beach singing. <laughs> and then what is your favorite part about being a woman?
0: <sighs> Let's see, gosh, there's so many juicy things that I love about being a woman at this point in my life, which I never mm. thought I would say. <laughs> I used to always try and be the guy's girl, uh, but oh, same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I love how intuitive women are like, you know, the way that you and I are connecting through this conversation. I'm part of a women's group that I was in community. I was in circle with them this morning and it just feels so good. I feel like the way that we're able to connect from our heart and Mm our intuition, and like our Mm -hmm. body, like there's just so Mm. much power in that. I feel like women are just truly so gifted in that way because we are this channel of new life. We like Mm. literally birth new life onto the planet. And so, yeah, I think I just love the feeling, the emotion, the compassion, the intuition. There's so much there that I love, but (laughs) yeah.
1: That's such a beautiful answer, especially since you bring up the podcast, because when I started it, I would like prepare questions ahead of time and like mm. I was very much like reading blogs of like how I'm supposed to podcast yes and now it's just like I'm just going to show up and talk to her and
2: like mm-hmm. like a real
1: human being <laughs> yes. and that that is scary to do like the first few times and even now still like I do get some nerves
0: like I'm sweating right now <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah oh. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that so much. And sometimes when I try to create more structure than what's necessary, uh, yeah, I, I can get in my own way a little bit, mm-hmm. but, but I also think that like, you know, the, the sweating and the nerves, like that's also just energy and excitement yeah. gets to be moved and also like shared with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned you're a generator, which I love. My partner is a generator. My whole family is generators. Say <sighs> that for because um, in human design, generators are they uh, generate their own energy, whereas projectors are non-energy beings. So mm. I love being in relationship and in you know community with generators because there's so much energy there. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> okay, so something that you mentioned, I wanted to, t- to talk about, but it, it's floating away. So I guess we don't need it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can trust that.
1: Yeah, we can trust that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So how can our listeners find out more about you and find you online?
0: Yeah. So the place that I spend the majority of my time would be on Instagram and, uh, I am working with clients currently one-on-one Um, and I will eventually have a group offering that I'm going to be launching this summer more to come on that. If you, uh, want to find me on Instagram, I'll share about it there. Uh, my handle is at us, a U S underscore Armstrong, and you're always welcome to send me a message. And I love connecting with my community in that way. And yeah, (laughs) Uh (laughs) and
1: I'll put those links in the show
0: notes. Amazing. Thank you so
1: much. You're welcome. Thank you for being on the podcast. Of course, it's been so fun. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. I know that there's an abundance of content online, so I really appreciate you giving me your ears today. If this episode shifted something for you, please share this with a friend and slash or write us a podcast review if you're listening to this on iTunes so that more people can find this. If anything shifted for you from this episode that you want to have a conversation about, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM over on Instagram at self babe, and that is in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next time.